Hello. So this episode is about designing for a block where the main view is from the upper floor. Whether you're choosing a home off the plan, you're building a custom designed home, or you're renovating and extending your existing one, there are certain things to know so that you can make the most of your corner block. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, this one might seem like a strange inclusion to have in this season, designing for difficult sites. It's not really a block type like the others, I suppose, not in terms of, you know, how a subdivision or land master planning might result in a block shape or size anyway. But I receive so many questions uh, and comments from homeowners, you know, who are trying to decide how to design their home when the best view is from the upper level. And especially from homeowners who have young families uh, and they're grappling then where to locate the major living areas of the home. So do they put them on the upper floor where they can make the most of the view, but then accept that they're a story away from the garden? Uh, Or do they put them on the lower floor where their living spaces can then have a great indoor-outdoor connection, but then they don't necessarily have the view as part of that everyday living space? Look, having a view, it can add some serious dollars to the value of your home. It can often improve natural light as well and natural ventilation because, you know, you may be exposed to sunlight and breezes in your home as your home is opening up to that view. So if your view is amazing from upstairs and totally invisible from the lower floor, then that may have already made the decision for you about how you need to arrange the spaces in your home. Or if your block is narrow, for example, and your main view is out to the street side of your home, looking out over the street to your view, and your, your narrow block lower floor means that it's pretty much going to be your garage door and entry and you can't get any living spaces on that frontage, then again, your decision may be very simple, that you need to put your living on the upper floor to make the most of that view. If it's not this straightforward though, or perhaps your main view is to the rear of your home, you know, and ultimately you can you can make a choice that's going to suit you and your needs and your home. However, there are some challenges and some opportunities to consider and questions to ask so that you can create the best outcome for you. So let's go through these now. First, let's look at the main challenges for blocks where the main view is from the upper floor. So the first challenge, it's really going to be how you make the choice between maximising your view from your living areas versus maximising your direct access to your garden from your main living areas. And this challenge, it's probably the biggest one with this with this type of site, you know, the one that homeowners really stumble on because it's not until you decide on this, which direction you're going to go, whether you're going to put your all of your living areas on the upper floor Uh, and make the most of that view, whether you're going to put the main living areas downstairs and make the most of the indoor-outdoor connection. You know, until you make that call, it's really difficult to get started on your design at all. And so there's pros and cons for each, and it can be really difficult to know what's going to be the best choice for you. 
all of the other challenges that come, you know, they're really subsets of this first decision. Do you put the main living dining kitchen upstairs or do you put it downstairs? And so this challenges section, it's going to be a little chunkier than the other episodes because I'll go through both of these scenarios individually. I think that by pointing out the challenges, you'll actually be able to quickly determine what's going to be a priority for you. And then when you do this, the choice for what will work on your site and for your home and for your lifestyle, it will become clearer as a result. So firstly, let's look at scenario one. Let's assume you're going to put all of your primary living kitchen dining space upstairs to make the most of where your views are. So everything's upstairs, that's scenario one. These are the challenges that you're going to need to overcome if this is your choice for how you lay out your home. So the first challenge is how you'll actually make your garden a useful space if all of your main living areas are upstairs. Now, if your main living areas are all on the upper floor, your garden's going to naturally be one storey away from them and it's not going to be easily accessed or that indoor-outdoor connection's not going to be so immediate. This can be difficult, particularly when you have little ones who you need to be close by or even slightly bigger kids that you want to supervise playing in the garden whilst you're getting on with your day. You know, perhaps you're trying to start things like making dinner whilst they run around in the back garden and that can be difficult if the backyard is down a level or more from where you are and it can also feel that, you know, any time that you need to head outside to hang out in the garden with them, you have to take a packed lunch and your phone and a cup of tea, you know, so that you don't have to necessarily head back up to the kitchen for a snack or for a drink. Look, there's a couple of ways to overcome how you approach this challenge. The first way to overcome it is to actually locate a secondary living space on the ground floor with direct access to your garden. And if you're able to, even popping a kitchenette in this secondary living space can be useful as well. So you can at least make a cup of tea or coffee. You can have a little bar fridge in there whilst you're down there and you don't necessarily need to venture all the way back upstairs. You know, as this secondary living space, it doesn't necessarily need to be indoors either. I've seen homes do a great job of creating a beautiful summertime, usable, covered alpha fresco area that will have an outdoor kitchen in it. And that's where they do their main summertime entertaining and outdoor living. You know, that way, friends and family who are visiting, who you're having over for, you know, a weekend lunch, they can come straight into the garden as they arrive and go straight through to that alfresco area. You know, kids can get to run around on the grass whilst the adults are nearby and within reach. The outdoor kitchen is set up pretty much as a satellite kitchen so that food and drinks, you know, they might be prepped upstairs before everybody arrives, but they're brought downstairs uh, and stored there whilst you're entertaining. You know, this can be even as a family, how you spend perhaps your Sunday afternoons, you get ready, you bring everything downstairs and that's where you're hanging out. And some people even keep a second fridge downstairs inside the house that's useful for these times as well. Now, your stair location this can also be key in navigating the challenge of how of having your garden a story away from your main living areas. So, you know, considering a stair location that actually gets you downstairs from your main living areas as quickly and conveniently as possible is going to be really important in making this work for you. So, you know, that stair, it may be located off an upper floor deck or perhaps it's right beside your living space and that's feeding downstairs and out. You know, this can be a simpler connection between floors rather than putting your internal staircase right back within the house uh, because that may mean that you're travelling between both floors um, by having to basically traverse from your living spaces back inside your house, go downstairs, back through the lower floor, weaving, you know, through the home itself to then get outside. So really thinking about where your stair is located and how you're going to facilitate easy vertical movement between the upper floor living spaces and the garden will be a useful way to overcome this challenge. 
Now, another challenge with having your primary living space upstairs is just the inconvenience of running downstairs to answer the door each time someone comes over. And this can be frustrating if you're, you know, someone who gets a lot of visitors or perhaps you need to be upstairs doing certain things with with little ones and that type of thing. So one workaround for this is to actually install an intercom that enables you to remotely unlatch the door from upstairs or to at least see who's there and whether it's worth making the trip downstairs to open the door to them. The camera ones, they're actually quite inexpensive now because the biggest cost is actually usually running the wiring between the, the the intercom lock and the receiver location upstairs, you know, and especially if you're doing a renovation and you're needing to access uh, existing spaces, that, that can make things tricky as well. Now, another challenge that comes with this uh, scenario is in creating a great indoor-outdoor connection on the upper floor, especially if you don't have sufficient room for an outdoor entertaining space on the upper level like a deck or a balcony. You know, ideally, you're putting your primary living spaces on the up floor um, and you're putting you're living in a climate where that outdoor entertaining is possible and enjoyable, then, you know, you, you generally are looking to have the space in the budget to add on an outdoor entertaining area at the same level as those living spaces. So this can mean, you know, a deck or a balcony that's sufficiently sized and structurally designed to accommodate an outdoor dining space. So perhaps a barbecue, lots of people on it, you know, but not all properties have the capacity or space to do this and you may not have the budget in your project either. Look, the Queenslander renovation project diary that's on the Undercover Architect website, this is a prime example of this scenario we we had a maximum length, a maximum area that we could build in when we were doing the design for that renovation project and a building length that we had to meet. And initially, the client did want a deck on that upper floor that was going to make the most of the view that they had um, from that upper floor, and they wanted to have a barbecue on it. You know, but if we had a deck and an internal dining area, you know, neither of those spaces were going to be very big or very useful. So what we did was instead of that traditional arrangement of having kitchen, dining, living, deck, you know, what we did instead was we flipped it a bit. So we actually put the internal dining room on the end of the home, on that view, and it had full height glass sliding doors. We added a very narrow balcony. It's actually just enough to be able to stand outside on. But what happens is when the doors open up, that indoor-outdoor connection is very seamless and that, that indoor dining then actually feels like an outdoor dining space. What happens then is the whole space gets the view, there's loads of natural light and there's a great indoor-outdoor connection. What we did in this home was the garage sat below this space in the lower floor. So we actually made the garage a secondary entertaining space on the lower floor. So kind of that showroom garage approach where you, you up-specify the garage a bit so that you can use it as an entertaining space. So downstairs in the garage, there's a kitchenette. The garage uh, has a garage door on one side to the street, but on the side that faces the garden, we actually put sliding glass doors and that opens out to a courtyard and has a covered space that's created by that upper floor balcony and a little bit of extra awning uh, that, that, that acts then as a terrace space on the, ground, on the ground floor where the barbecue can go. So this really helps with flexibility for different sized and types of functions. And I'll pop a link in the show notes so that you can see more about this project. You know, this is, it can be a really good way to think about 
some flexibility for the use of your spaces. You know, we were being informed a lot by who might be a future buyer for that project. The fact you might be needing to have 21sts and those types of things so the kids can be downstairs. 21st, not necessarily kids, <laughs> but you can have a party downstairs. You can have uh, um, other people upstairs. You can really pick and choose how you're using those spaces based on who is using them. Another detail that I've done that's also helped to create this kind of feel and function is is where we fixed the balustrade directly to the outside of the home and then had a sliding glass door on that face. So the, you open the sliding glass door and you have a fixed balustrade immediately on the outside of the house. So you get that um, indoor-outdoor connection as well. So that's another way you can achieve an indoor-outdoor connection without adding on a deck or a balcony. And I'll pop a link in the show notes for a couple of projects to show you how that can work as well. There's also the challenge of actually how you physically get heavy things upstairs, you know, such as groceries or anything that you might need to be bringing from your car to those primary living areas and your kitchen when they're upstairs from where your garaging is. You know, and just the day-to-day activity of climbing a story and a flight of stairs every time you get home. I actually spoke about this issue in the episode on sloping blocks. So if you haven't listened to that one, you know, make sure you do because there's some relevant information in that episode for this scenario. One thing I spoke about in the sloping box episode was about installing a dumb waiter. So this is a little lift that, you know, basically can take your groceries from your garage upstairs, you know, or at least designing the capacity to add one later so that you can use it to transport heavier things upstairs down the track, you know, something like that weekly grocery shop. The other thing that you can do is also to consider how you make that journey feel far more gentle and far more gradual and enjoyable so it doesn't feel like a steep climb every day. And I talk a lot more about this in the in the sloping blocks episode, so make sure you check that out. Now, another challenge is the concern that some homeowners will have, especially those that have younger children, just about securitizing kids' bedrooms that are on the ground floor. When you have little ones, sometimes homeowners, they can be concerned about them sleeping in a bedroom on the ground floor where windows might be more accessible, both to get in and out of, uh, than than if they were upstairs. And I see a lot of homeowners, they're grappling with whether to put sliding doors on those lower floor bedrooms, you know, so that they create a lovely indoor-outdoor connection, but then they're worried that their kids might be able to get outside easily. Look, this can also extend to, you know, teenagers sneaking in and out of home too. And in fact, I had a client once who specifically wanted their kids' bed, they wanted their bedroom by the front door. The master suite went by the front door and they wanted their kids' bedrooms upstairs um, so that any activity of, you know, kids moving in and out of the house when they were older, that could all be monitored from, you know, the, the comings and goings could basically be monitored um, when they were, the, the parents were asleep in, in their master bedroom. So, you know, for some, this will not be part of your consideration at all. However, if it is for you, you know, just review the security arrangements that you put on your home. Remember, the security doesn't just come from the home itself. It comes from how the around the home is designed, how between the, the journey between the street and the home is designed, the fencing, the windows themselves. You know, a practical measure was, I know my mum, she was, you know, super conscious of security in our home, single parent. She always wanted to, you know, make sure that everything was, we joked that it was always locked up like Fort Knox. So she actually put timber dowels in the sliding door tracks uh, and window tracks of our home. 
she cut all these dowels herself. Um, so a dowel is just like basically a rod of timber. And so what she did was she would cut them to length. They would let you open the door or window about an inch. Um, but the dowel then sat in the track and it stopped any further opening. So if we wanted to open the sliding door or sliding window fully, we'd obviously pull the dowel out and then you'd be open, able to open up the window. But if we were going out, those dowels had to be in. It meant that somebody could never force that window open more than an inch because there was a physical barrier preventing them from being able to do that. You know, it was pretty simple and it was effective and it meant that it wasn't always relying on the window being locked um, mechanically in order for that window to not be able to be opened. There was always lots of swearing though whenever my brother or I forgot the dowel was in the track because you'd go to push back the sliding door with force and it would bounce back off the dowel immediately and reverberate in your hands. So, but yeah, it was a, it was a common joke at, uh, when we were growing up about how my mum really ran the place like Fort Knox. Now, the last challenge that I'll mention is actually about the location of the swimming pool. So if you are planning on putting a pool in and your primary areas, they're on the upper floor of the home, the primary living areas. So, you know, supervising the use of that pool can actually be tricky. And again, I mentioned this in the episode about sloping blocks. So um, make sure you head there and listen to that. But having this set up, you know, it'll actually mean that your ability to access the and supervise the pool directly from the house can be challenged. If you have little ones, that mean that that may mean that you need to be physically poolside and away from the house each time they want to go for a swim. And as they grow older and more independent, then, you know, you may feel that you can be more comfortable not actually needing to be right inside the pool. However, you still obviously may want to be able to supervise them quite directly. Um, So considering, you know, consider and look at the pool location and how your internal living area might actually still get a view down to the pool so that you can have those established sight lines, even though you may not be directly near the pool. And have a look too at your stair location so that you can get down to the pool easily should you need to. Look, integrating your pool with your living areas in this way, it's not just about supervision and access. You know, when you get this connection working well, that helps the pool feel part of your living and your lifestyle in the home so that it's not just this satellite thing that gets used less and less because it feels further and further away and far more detached, but it's actually integrated with your lifestyle in your home in the warmer months of the year and gets a lot of use over that time. Now, that's it for scenario one challenges, okay? So I've run through some challenges there to think about when you're putting all of your living areas and your primary living areas upstairs to make the most of the view. Let's now look at scenario two and let's assume that you're going to put your living kitchen dining areas on your lower floor and you're prioritising their direct indoor-outdoor connection on the same level rather than prioritising their access to the view. So the main challenge here is actually going to be then determining if your main view is from the upper floor and you're putting your primary living areas downstairs, Who who is going to get access to that view on the upper floor? Is that going to be a private thing for you only for your home? Or is it going to be accessible by guests as well? You know, how are you going to do that? And how's it going to work with your home's overall planning? Uh, and if that choice that you make will actually diminish the value of your home overall or impact its functionality, there's quite a few things to bring together. So with this, I mean that, you know, accepting that your primary view is on the upper floor, but you've decided to put your living, your primary living areas on the lower floor. Do you put your master bedroom on the view upstairs or do you put the secondary living space? space on the view upstairs. And if it's a secondary living space, are you taking friends up there? Are you entertaining up there? Or is that space only for you and your family? 
some of this decision-making, it'll come down to just how different the view is between the lower and the upper floor and the value that that view might add to your experience in the home and, and any potential concern you might have about the, the value of your home as an asset. So one way to balance the desire between, you know, having that lower level, lower level living space with an indoor-outdoor connection that's on grade with the fact that you can get a great view from the upper level is to add that secondary living space upstairs. So this can help you have the best of both worlds can choose which space you want to use based on the activity and the time of year and the people that you're sharing the space with. And so again, something you consider adding is an upper floor kitchenette or a small services area so that you can have some flexibility with the use of upstairs. And depending on the view too and the type of outlook you have and what it may offer your home, you may actually wish to create an incredible master suite that makes the most of it. You know, a parent's retreat that feels very exclusive, very luxurious and very special part of the home because the view is what really adds to that experience. So in some high-end homes as well, they're including wet bars with bar fridges, you know, in the master suite um, and, and those types of things so that parents can really retreat there and have everything that they need in that master suite space. And it becomes this really kind of almost penthouse luxurious sort of feel in the way that in that way that that master suite is designed. So, you know, those are some of the main challenges and key areas of thinking about both those scenarios uh, of when you have the view from the main view from the upper floor and where, you know, if you don't sort those challenges out, where home designs can really fail to suit their site and the unique demands of them being on a site where the main view is from the upper floor. So now let's look at what you know, these types of blocks have got going for them because there are some fantastic opportunities, obviously, you know, on blocks where the main view is from the upper floor when you know how to approach them and what to focus on. So firstly, let's look at opportunities that are specific to scenario one. So that scenario one was that all your primary living spaces are upstairs. The main kitchen, living, dining area is on the upper floor to make the most of the view. Now, there are some great opportunities if your primary living is upstairs and and making the most of that view. So let's see if this applies to you. And, you know, again, this is about you sorting your priorities, about what's going to be most important. So you can look at the challenges, you can look at the opportunities, and you can really start to weigh up. That's really what I want to grab. That's really going to concern me. You can start to sift and filter how this is going to help your decision-making about which way you're going to go. So one of the opportunities of putting all of your primary living spaces upstairs is that you can gain immediate privacy because your living areas are elevated above the public domain of the streets and the gardens around you. So, you know, if your main view is over the road, uh, over the public a public area such as a beachfront or a lakefront or riverfront or park, you know, where there might be public access at the lower level out the front of your place, then, you know, privacy is going to be an issue if you put all of your living areas on the lower floor. And, you know, if you're wanting to make the most of your view, you're generally going to have lots of glass so that you've got really good transparency between inside and outside. And sometimes this can be tricky because you're turning your home into a bit of a fishbowl in the process. And if your living areas are on the lower level, looking out over a public area, that can be really challenging to your privacy. So equally, if your view is to the street, then putting your living areas upstairs, you know, the fact that your garaging is on the street doesn't have to deny your access to that view. One of the projects that I did at Mervac, you know, Waterline, I actually spoke about this uh, a lot in the last episode. Some of the park front homes that we had in that development, they sat across the road from a park. So we actually located the living areas on the upper level with a large balcony that looked north across the park. And this gave them elevation and great views 
And it also enabled them to be privatised from that public zone of the park and the street. And given that those lots were quite narrow, you know, this frontage was then dedicated to entry and garaging at the lower floor, but then all of that primary living up on the upper floor, where it was also maximising the orientation and that northern aspect looking out over the park. And then what we did was we added a lower level living space uh, that also then had direct access to the garden. So that really helped the home have flexibility in how it could be used. And so I'll mention some more opportunities that are general to the scenarios overall uh, in a minute. But first, we'll look then at scenario two. So scenario two, that's where your primary living, primary kitchen, dining, living area, you're placing it downstairs. Now, of course, the opportunities here, they're going to largely relate to any home because for most home designs, this is the conventional approach. You put the primary living at the lower level where you can have a great indoor-outdoor connection uh, between your interior and your exterior living areas. So I don't really need to explain a lot about the opportunities for this because this becomes really about that conventional approach and then you're figuring out how you're going to make the most of the view from the upper floor, whether it's going to be via the master bedroom, via a secondary living space, and how you'll get that working for your home and your lifestyle. So let's look at the opportunities when you get this arrangement right. You know, when you maximise the view plus the functionality, whichever way you decide to arrange your home, whether you choose scenario one or scenario two, because I think that understanding these, these things it'll really help you gauge whether you're getting the design right if you have this type of block. So whether you choose to put your living area upstairs or downstairs, working through these opportunities and checking, look, am I really making the most of this? This is going to help you think, have I come up with the right solution? Okay, so there's the opportunity. First opportunity is really to consider how you'll use the home more seasonally. So you may find that perhaps your lower floor is your summertime space. It has access to the garden and a pool. It's a great indoor-outdoor flow. And then what you do is you set your upper floor living area to be your winter space, you know, entertaining and the general functionality of the home works based on the time of the year. You set up your services accordingly. You look at whether you're having that kitchenette or downstairs perhaps has the outdoor kitchen. You know, the view's getting appreciated. The functionality gets appreciated. You have the flexibility to choose based on your lifestyle and, you know, the types of things that you do in your home. Now, another opportunity in this type of arrangement is that you can actually create an entry and a stair process that delivers people straight from the front door upstairs and assists with actually making that lower floor, um, that downstairs area is quite self-contained. I've actually seen lots of projects where homeowners have used this opportunity of having a view from the upper level to to actually create, you know, two homes within one. They've given the lower floor a secondary entry. So it's almost like its own apartment, its own self-contained little house. And this can be handy, for example, if you have, you know, university age kids who need some independence, uh, or you've got elderly parents that are moving in with you, or perhaps you've got, you know, your home regularly has guests who stay for longer periods. You know, I've had clients and seen homeowners who have, you know, they live overseas from their family. And so when their family come, they actually stay for a couple of months. And so, you know, having this ability to kind of have self-contained separation between both main, you know, both areas of the home, the home can still work as one, but with planning arrangement, you can have that flexibility in the functionality to potentially keep them quite separate when you need them to be. And this can also help with aging in place. So what I mean by that is that over time, you know, the home is built in with the capacity for you to um, stay in it over the long term if you, you know, are perhaps 
either having elderly parents move in later down the track or perhaps you're thinking about what your mobility is going to be like as you get older and stay in your home across the long term. And I've actually had a few members in my online programs lately who they're building homes or renovating them so two generations can actually live in the one home together and they're doing this for affordability and for care arrangements so that, you know, a younger generation can be available to look after, you know, their parents and their parents who have, you know, a lot of money tied up in the asset of their home can still have a place to live but can help their, their you know, kids be able to, uh, you know, have a good living situation for their own family. They can be spending more time together. But you can still be doing that with a sense of separation and independence from each other in how the home is designed. So the older generation, they might live on one level and then their family who may have a family of their own, they move in on the other level. You know, some have even looked, you know, what I've seen is that they've looked to the fact that they'll switch at, one, at some point. So perhaps the younger generation, you know, will live on the lower floor whilst they might have little ones that are trying to get inside, you know, needing that inside-outside connection to be a bit more immediate um, for little ones who are, you know, obviously wanting to play in gardens and get inside and outside and you're wanting that supervision and that ability to access them quickly. And the um, the older generation will be on the upper floor and then they'll switch when the kids are older. And the older generation who want to live all on one level, then they've got the lower level for that ease of access and mobility and then, you know, the, the other generation living on the upper level. So there can be lots of opportunities to think about when you get this right and lots of ways to create flexibility and functionality in your home. And, you know, this is going to be really key for you in working out what's going to be the best solution for you. So let me now take you through the key questions to ask about your block when your main view is from the upper level and, you know, when you're thinking about the home that you're designing for it or renovating on it. Answering these questions and talking through these ideas with your designer or your builder, they're going to help you tailor a solution to suit you, your block and your needs and to make the most of the opportunities that are available. So question number one, just how great is the view from your upper level? You know, is it significantly better than the view from the lower floor? And what does this tell you about how to maximise it for your home? Question number two, who is your family? You know, how can you create a home that will actually suit your needs now and into the future and still make the most of those views? Question number three, what do you need to build in as part of your reno or new build to have the capacity for future flexibility? We've spoken about kitchenettes, dumb waiters, things like that. What do you need to build in now uh, and get that infrastructure in place that you might be able to adapt down the track? Question number four, will you have decks or outdoor areas on your upper level? And if so, how will you navigate construction requirements and safety measures? You know, consider the, the structural loadings for large groups if you're entertaining on an upper level deck and also the safety of kids around balustrading and edges. You know, lots of uh, risk to manage in how those spaces get used. Question number five is what is the orientation of your block? Where is the sun moving and how will you maximise this for your home as you make the most of your views? Question number six, if you're putting your primary living area and kitchen upstairs, do you need to consider design measures and inclusions to manage how visitors access the home and how you get them upstairs to those areas and you know how you get things like groceries and other heavy items upstairs as well? Question number seven, if your primary outdoor and entertaining areas are on your upper floor, how will you shield your home and you from overlooking down into neighbours' yards? Because this can be a really contentious area in getting approvals on projects and protecting the privacy of your neighbouring properties. 
Question number eight is what will you do with security on the lower level if all of your bedrooms are downstairs? Is that something you need to think about? Question number nine, can you capture the view from the lower floor if you lift the level off a bit? You know, you may not need to get a whole story up, but perhaps you can create, you know, create a platform that the home gets built on and you can create view opportunities through the whole floor plan. You know, some councils will actually let you do a semi-basement garage with two stories above it. And if your budget allows, this may actually be enough elevation for you to capture the views that you need. And question number 10, lastly, can you think about how you zone the floors of your home for either seasonal or generational use so that you have flexibility over the years that you're spending in your home? Now, finally, I'm going to take you through some of the things to think about for these, you know, scenarios on uh, where blocks have the main view from the upper floor. And we're going to look at these three scenarios. So choosing a home off the plan, building a custom design home or doing a renovation uh, and extension. So first scenario, choosing an off-the-plan home to build new on a block where the main view is from the upper floor. Now, it can be tricky to find an off-the-plan design which puts all of the living, the primary living areas on the upper floor, especially where your view might be out to the front and out to the over the street. So if you are going off the plan, you may simply seek a design which has a great upper floor living area that sits on the side of your home where the view is. So that might be the secondary living area in the home. Uh, And then you could perhaps see if you you can amend the upper floor design to rearrange things so that you can achieve this. Then you can also see if it's possible to build in surfaces uh, to perhaps include a kitchenette upstairs or at least allow you to fit it out later by installing power and plumbing to that point in the construction of the home so that you can then uh, cap it where the kitchenette might go down the track and then you can uh, access that those services when you have the budget or when you actually want to add that kitchenette later. The next scenario is looking at how you get it right in a custom home design for where a block, uh, the weather, weather, weather block has the main view from the upper level. Now, of course, I've been saying it in all the episodes, you know, a custom home, it really helps you design a site-specific home, one that suits you, your block of land, your budget and your lifestyle. So this is really a case of assessing your orientation, your best access to the view, you know, whether your view and the best orientation arrangement are in the same direction, you know, what your need for privacy is going to be and how to arrange the spaces and the functionality in a way that suits you. One thing that may be worth considering is whether you can actually split the difference. So what what do I mean by this? Well, sometimes a split level home can actually be a great way to make the most of the view from more parts of your home. I did a design for a new home for my in-laws many, many years ago, and it had a, this block actually had distant views of the water, and we wanted to grab them from as much of the home as we could. And there was lots of conversation about where to have the main living areas and how we were going to make sure that there was always a view of the of the water from those living areas in the home. Now, what we did was we created a split level design where you actually walked into the home at the mid level. So you came into the home and then the home then terraced down to the main living kitchen dining area, but the ceiling floated through at the same level from the entry. So what happened was the volume of the living areas, they actually opened up as you, as you opened up to the view and you moved through the house. So entering at that mid level and doing this with the ceiling meant that you got the view as soon as you walked in from that higher vantage point. 
And then you could move down into the kitchen, living, dining area and still see that view. What we did then was we put also a second living space upstairs with its own kitchenette. And so you could then go upstairs and you could sit upstairs. And if you wanted to make a cup of tea, that's where the TV, main TV was as well. So you could go up there and you could make a TV, uh, watch TV and make a cup of tea and um, be quite happy just sort of sitting up there and making the most of the view as well. And then the main living area, it had a double height void over it. And the second living space sat beside this void. So you actually had this really lovely connection to the view and the volume of the space and all of that, you know, access to outside and to the view from both living areas and of course, loads of light as well. So thinking about how you could split the difference, whether it has to just be a two-story home or whether you can use split levels to give you that opportunity to get the view from more parts of your home. Now, the third scenario, of course, is renovating or extending an existing home on a block where the main view is from the upper floor. So those who renovate Queenslanders, they consistently grapple with this issue. The standard way to renovate a Queenslander is to raise it, you know, restump it, build in underneath. And so all the main living areas and kitchen then can usually end up on the upper level as you lift the existing home. So if this is your scenario, you know, you may be trying to work out whether you're going to put the living on the lower level or there, or put it on the upper level. So you need to run through the opportunities and challenges that I've outlined this in this episode. Really ask yourself the questions and see what's going to suit you. And it may be a case that, you know, it's really a decision about how established are the living kitchen dining areas in the existing home that you're elevating or raising, um, because that also there may be budgetary impacts with you changing where all those are in the home. Thinking about that seasonal use, you know, and how you can make the most of the indoor-outdoor connection at different times of the year, you know, this is really uh, part of that thought process in when it comes to renovating an existing home. One thing I will definitely say, though, is that when it comes to renovating, so many homeowners will tell me, you know, we think we have a great view from the upper floor and so we want to make the most of it. And so that becomes, you know, how they think about then adding a second story to their home or, you know, creating a design that has a specific outcome because they're picturing that they've got this view from the upper floor. Do yourself a favour, okay? Don't just get up and stand on your roof because if it's a hip roof, you know, has a, has a pitch on it, you'll actually be standing probably on a higher level than where your floor level will actually be. So understand the actual levels of your home understand where you'll physically be standing if you are on your second story. You know, where will the sight lines be? Make sure that you are getting the view that you think you're getting, that neighbours' properties, neighbours' trees, those types of things aren't blocking that view. Really confirm that you have that view before you invest money and time in creating a design to grab it. Now, before we wrap up this episode, I want to leave you with one last thought about homes with views generally, okay? Especially those where the main view is on the upper floor. Your view, you know, if you've got a beautiful view out of your home, that view will give a first impression wow. But that wow, it will never compensate for the everyday frustration of living in a poorly functioning, poorly lit home. And I know this to be true. You know, I've seen it and I've experienced it firsthand. So if you can remember the everyday lifestyle in your home is where you live and that determines how it works and feels. So the view, the view should be the thing that elevates that everyday lifestyle, not what the experience of the whole home relies on. And so hopefully understanding that and thinking about it in that way can help you prioritise things overall. 
Okay, so that's it for blocks where the view, where the main view is from the upper level. I really hope that you found this helpful. And look, even if you've been listening and you don't have this type of block, I do hope that some of the ideas and the way that I've talked through questions and concepts have helped you with your future home. That's it also for our season uh, that's been all about designing for difficult sites. It's been really fantastic to take you through this information and be able to do some detailed review on each site type, as well as give you, you know, key questions that you can ask for your design and your process so that you can really be sure that you're getting the best outcome. Now, was your site type covered? Have you been listening and not heard your site type, your block type yet? Look, if it's not, email me at hello at undercoverarchitect.com and I'll pop your block type on my list for future episode ideas. I, you know, I love hearing about podcast ideas. I do plan the podcast quite a bit in advance, but, uh, you know, all of the podcasting content gets driven by what the UA community asks for. So by all means, if you have any ideas, you know, make sure you send them in and then I can pop them on the list for when I'm planning content for the podcast uh, next time. So, and remember, if you haven't grabbed any of the free e-guide downloads, there's been one for every episode this season. And so make sure that you grab yours. This one for this block it can be accessed by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash view from upper. Okay. And, uh, you know, that that's the link for this season's uh uh, download the, the free e-guide, but you can see all the other episodes on the website and you can download their individual free e-guides and interactive worksheets as well. Remember to head to the show notes uh, too, because I'm going to have the links that I mentioned about, uh, you know, the, some of the types of projects and, and situations that I've seen work and are ideal for this type of block. So let me share now a little bit more about what is coming up next. So I have a few interlude episodes before the next season launches and the next season it's going to be a doozy, okay? But we're just going to have a little break first before we roll into it. So I'll be using this interlude to share some, I don't know, some things that I think that are really useful to know about the industry, to answer some key questions that I've received lately and to also take you through some other people's projects so that you can get some ideas for yours. So be sure to tune in next time so that you can check that information out. Now, before I go, I'd love to know, are you enjoying listening to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect? If you are, can I please ask three favours of you? The first is, could you please subscribe to the show on your podcast listening tool of choice, be it iTunes or Android, so then you're the first to know when the latest episode is live. The second favour is please leave a review for the show on iTunes. Now, they don't make it easy. I'm full of gratitude and admiration for anyone who manages to navigate the technological hurdle of leaving a review on iTunes, but it does make a massive difference to helping people find the show and seeing if it suits them. So if you can leave a review, that would be absolutely awesome. And the third favour is please tell your friends, your relatives, your neighbours, your work colleagues, the postman, (laughs) anyone that's willing to listen to you that the Get It Right podcast exists. You know, so many of you have told me that you found this podcast because someone referred it to you and that's brilliant. Uh, The more people that have this knowledge about how to get it right when designing, building or renovating their homes, the more level the playing field is and the more clever and empowered homeowners we have demanding better from the design and building industry. And that's how we improve it overall. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and for tuning into the Get It Right podcast. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Think of me as your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.